Hi everybody, it is time for another Awesome Women podcast and today we have the fabulous Jessica with us. Hey Jessica. Hello. Now Jessica, you are an award-winning business owner, public speaker and women in business activist. You also left your reputable corporate career in learning and development and sales to build Olive Louise Social. This podcast is sponsored by Ostworld, Australia's most trusted name in wholesale plumbing solutions and proud supporter of awesome women in construction. I hate my bio. Am I the only one that sits there and wants to retro when people build I, their bio? I think it's one of those things that when we hear it back, you know, oh. a little bit. At the end of the day, you're an awesome woman in everything. And you've got a stellar business. And like most business owners, we didn't necessarily know what we were getting into when we started. No, I definitely didn't. Well, it's funny because I always say I built my businesses by accident. Yeah. Um, so I have five kids now. But when I started my business, I had two and I was pregnant with my third, uh, which was a bit of a whoopsie, despite having five kids, like only one of them was on purpose. So it's a bit of a, not very good at that. Um, But it's panicking because I was working six days a week, Christmas Eve, Boxing Day, school holidays, and I was, you know, incredibly unhealthy, incredibly overweight, just so depressed and down. Marriage was on the rocks. We were on the verge of bankruptcy. It just was not a good space. And so the idea of bringing another kid and having to juggle all that was just terrifying. Um, So it was sort of an option at the time. And I think people always say to me, I don't know how you do it as a working mom. I think, I don't know how you do it as not because the self uh, self-discipline and motivation that you know, if I don't do this, I have no other way of providing for my family right now is huge. Like, I don't know how people do it without, <laughs> without that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, kind of got the ball rolling. And then as sort of need in my industry, well, I guess industry is not the right word, but need in my space, saw me create the second business about four years ago now. And now I'm just a hot mess of kids and business and chaos and things. But I think what you said before is, you know, when we, you know, when it's, us as individuals or as a team and we're the only ones that can bring money in for the business mm. to pay the power bill to pay the school fees to get new shoes whatever it is mm. there's no option right failure is not an option it's not in the vocabulary yeah. and I don't know about you but sometimes you know whether you put it out to the universe or you know you're working your butt off it does come it does yeah and I think you just have this really beautiful way of living within your means that you don't even realize you're doing as well like um you know we when we started our business journey I was working two jobs my husband wasn't employed at the time because he was going through some pretty serious mental health issues um that we really didn't recognize and that's a whole rant for another day but um you know we lived off of 50 60k as a family of five which in Brisbane CBD is not an easy thing. And I really learned to be uh, frugal and I and prioritize and assess our necessities versus wants and um, find joy in things that weren't money, which was so challenging at the time. And now, obviously, we don't live off 60K. We're very blessed to be quite comfortable, but I still keep that mentality as much as I can. Yeah. And you know, I learned so much about business and forecasting in that time. Like I could go to Costco and break down like the 
sense of a meal from what I was spending because it was such an investment at the time to buy in bulk and things like that. That now whenever I make a business decision, I have that mentality of, well, what is this going to save me or what is my capacity to earn going to be through this? And I break it down literally to the sense. It's quite freaky. But there were so many things that I learned through that time. So I think you do. But to get on my soapbox as well, there's this real space of women who – you know, this time 30, 40 years ago, women were homemakers and we carried that load and men worked. And whether you believe that was right or wrong, that's how it was. And society have shifted to accepting, getting excited about women in the workplace, but there's still all of this social conditioning around our roles as women in the home. And um, whether you have children or not, it's completely irrelevant. I do have to explain one of my pet peeves is how these conversations get really polarized to mothers. Like kids are a logistics problem, a hundred percent, but all of these things that we feel and think are female problems. And whether you have plant mums, pet mums, nieces, uh, you know, parents, we are caregivers and we carry a mental load that's just different to males. And that's really what kind of um, sparked the beginnings of Bell Evolution. But I used to say that I would never be a feminist, but <laughs> I'm also a crazy researcher. And my logistic brain had to figure out why all these woo-woo and feminist statements started and where they came from. And that really, um, you know, has turned me into a feminist that tries to rephrase it for the non-woo-woo and logistic brains out there. But, and I think, you know, feminist for everybody is, you know, says something different. But for me, it's also about, you know, letting other women know that they can do it. You know, mm. if they've been thinking about starting a business or even just thinking about, getting back to something that they loved doing 10 years ago, mm. do it. You know, what what barriers are in your way and are they really barriers or are they just us going, oh, you know what, it's just too hard and we just won't bother? Well, I think for me there were three main things. The first one being I didn't understand business. Nobody pulled you aside at school and showed you what was possible. The expectation was you were going to go up and get married or you were going to go to university or become a hairdresser, teacher or nurse. That is what women did. We became nurses, teachers or hairdressers. And I didn't like that all three of those things would make me dry reek. So I... Like nobody told me it was easy. So my husband was always really entrepreneurial and whatever job I had, I was always a leader, a regional manager, you know, and he used to say to me, we need to start a business. Like you, you are so skilled at certain things. And I would go, it's just not that easy. You've got to have a heap of money. You've got to have a qualification. You've got to have a new idea. You've got to invent a product. You can't just go and start a business. Like if everyone, that is everyone doing it. Not to say it's easy, but it is that easy. Like if you have something that you feel you could do better than somebody else or something that you love doing. You don't have to be the first, the best, the cheapest. Like You can create a unique space just by being you and doing business as you. And I think that was one thing that I didn't know. And I thought that no one really taught me to kind of dream big. Like that, those lives are for lucky people. I wasn't lucky. I had just committed to a life of mediocrity like that's what I grew up in and if I could maintain that that was going to be great was going to be great like I I never kind of thought you know just thought that that was a life that lucky people live that wasn't me I mean it was the life for the rich right 
Yeah. And for the talented and all of the things that make me a great entrepreneur made me a terrible student. (laughs) So (laughs) I like talking. I don't like listening. I like hacking my own learning. I don't like reading books. I have a terrible memory. Don't make me sit an essay. Like, so, you know, the world had kind of told me I was a bit of a no-hoper and, um, but yet I felt powerful. I always felt powerful and felt like I wanted to have impact, but no, there was no, Social media wasn't huge in my sort of young years. Oh God, I feel so well, old it, saying it that. It wasn't Jeez. around, right? If we wanted, no. a, if we wanted a seven or, or a T on the text message, we had to hit the number seven three or four times, right, to get to hundred <laughs> percent. Mobile phones were for playing snake, like it was huge. Yeah. But I like, I wish I had people that you know, like me that I followed, like, I would love to see that at that time. And it's so funny because I accidentally found myself a little bit TikTok famous, which look, not proud of saying, <laughs> I just said, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Yeah. It's all fine. Yeah. Yeah. But when I go to my kids' schools, like all of the parents and the kids get a little bit fangirly and it makes me really uncomfortable. So at mother's day breakfast, it was like, 15 grade sixes that ran up and go, oh my gosh, are you the CEO mum on TikTok? <laughs> the ground could have swallowed me whole. I felt so <laughs> awkward about it. And I really brushed these kids off and basically told them to go away. Like I was quite rude. And I thought about it afterwards and I was like, Jess, do better. Like if them watching you be a hot mess while juggling a business and kids, then is what they're watching on TikTok it's a good day. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you can plant that seed and maybe that is, you know, I would have loved to see, you know, what was capable for different options for me at their age. So I am trying to do better. But I think the third thing that really stops people is the worthiness thing. It's, and I think that I love to change the conversation around the mum juggle. It's actually a worthiness juggle. Am I worthy of chasing this? Am I worthy of spending the money and pursuing this? Because we are, socially conditioned from such a long age to serve to serve others in every capacity and so it feels really selfish to do it um and the best business stories almost always are built out of necessity there was you know I remember attending my first women in business conference and the four keynote speakers all like were pregnant in hospital beds and hubby had run off with a Czechoslovakian nanny or, you know, they had an illness in their family or they were struck by disaster. And, you know, and they're amazingly incredible stories, not taking a single thing away from those women. But why can't we just choose to be great? Why can't we just choose to have a business? Why does that, why do we have to justify why we chase this and I think that's a narrative that I would love to change in any small way that I can I can talk into that and, and you've done that for those young ladies at school right you've given them unfortunately you know we shouldn't have to ask for permission like you just mentioned but you have given those young ladies who are seeing you on TikTok permission to do whatever they want and if seeing you in a hot mess is giving them that then it's also not painting it as all unicorns and roses either and I think that's part of sometimes the problem in society we have to think that we've got it all sorted and we've got it all under control and it's just not possible oh absolutely anyway (laughs) I think that you're gonna get me on another soapbox so feel free to push me off because I could go all day but I think like my main message that I I do document my whole life on social media is a commitment I made this year and despite it not I guess looking like that to some, anyone who who documents their life, people assume that it's really, you know, attention-seeking, self-centred. I actually don't enjoy it at all. It's basically, you know, 
putting your arms out there saying, judge me world. It's not fun. It's not fun. Like it's quite triggering. But my message is that different women have different capacities. And I don't know where in our history, I do know where because I'm a research nerd, but again, rent for another day, that they decide all women have to be the same. Different women have different capacities for motherhood. Different women have different capacities for work, just like men do. However, for women, we just don't acknowledge that conversation. I have a very small capacity for motherhood. I'm a terrible mother. The idea of going to the playground with my kids is like sticking needles in my eyeballs. I would rather potato peel my face then go to the playground with my kids for two hours that's okay and yeah. that is okay I'm a great mother in other areas and other space I hope I think I pray I'm not really sure but <laughs> let's are. go with that yeah. but like why do I have to enjoy that I don't want to stay home with my kids I love them fiercely and I make sure they're provided for and that I speak into their character and the things that are important but I don't have to bake cookies I don't have to put lunchbox in but women don't have to have kids to be fulfilled as women women don't have to work to be fulfilled as women Every woman has different capacity and we need to stop kind of shanghaiing everyone into the same box because I just think it's so damaging. I was 21 with two kids and can remember just being flopping depressed as shit. And if I didn't do something about it, I'll tell you now, I would have jumped off a bridge at some point. It was not what I wanted for my life. And I, the internal battle of society telling me that meant I didn't love my kids was huge but I I just it was not my life mm-hmm. and I know other women feel that about wanting to stay home and nurture their kids and other women feel that about not having flopping kids at all but constantly being judged for it and I think that that if if anyone can get anything out of my story is that your story is allowed to look like whatever is right for you and your family not because you have a vagina and that's that's where I'm at and so if yeah if it takes me looking really ridiculous on TikTok to just plant that seed for one 13 year old then go for it I think it's awesome yeah absolutely now I'm gonna ask you about networking what are your thoughts Mm. on it how does it sit and what has it done for your business growth yeah, I hate networking. It's awful. <laughs> really, it's hilarious. So fill in the gaps of Bell Evolution is a predominantly networking platform for women in business. But um, I think there's two types of women. Women who sit around and second guess everything and, and really seek validation from other people before even getting started and throw themselves into networking but are moving relatively slowly. And there's women who are really capable and uh, early business made a lot of sense and we all sit there and go, oh, that was easy. I don't know what everyone's wondering about. And then we crash. Our mindset is not being looked after. We we are being suffocated by the pressure and, and the weight of carrying wages and teens and income and client work and anything else that it is in our space um and so that can really change the networking experience for both groups of people and I'm definitely the latter I didn't connect in with the community I didn't know anyone who had businesses I had no idea what I was doing and um about two years in I was just completely suffocated by the pressure and the weight I could not shake this feeling that I was just lucky I was now the sole breadwinner for my family I had a team of seven whose wages depended on me and like all businesses it had peaks and troughs and the peaks were really high and the troughs were really flopping low and I just was exhausted I couldn't do it anymore and long story short my husband put me on a plane to the Osmum conference shout out to any Osmums who are out there 
I did not want to go. I was incredibly triggered by the whole thing, but he was like, you've been nominated a million times. Get on the flopping plane. We're going. And I went and it was life-changing for me. I think that one, the art of telling your story, like we don't sit at home and just write down our stories. So having to actually sit and think through my numbers and why I'm successful and all the questions they asked me, I kind of went, hey, this wasn't an accident. Like I've, I've done some really cool stuff. And then being in a room full of women who completely triggered me, but were feeling the same things as me, going through the same things as me, and, you know, gave me a bit of solace that I could stand with them and that I, I wasn't crazy that this was part of the ride. But also how I acted as a insecure young woman triggered by the insecure women. I didn't like it. I had to do a lot of work. And I there was someone who was actually in my category. I tell this story all the time. So sorry if you've ever listened to another podcast <laughs> because it's 100% on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a, you know, you're a finalist in these awards. And back in my day, it was one award per per country, like it's the whole country. I think now they break it up a bit more. But um there was a finalist in there that was from Brisbane and I, as all healthy people did, stalked every single person and assessed their website and their socials and just, it was not healthy. And this girl in particular triggered the crap out of me. She had very similar vibes to us in messaging and seemed to be doing really well. She was from Brisbane and rah, rah, rah. So of course I'm plotting her death in my head. But when you get there, there's like, 700 women and you, you there's no way of meeting the people that you might have seen on you know your finalists until the awards night and I stupidly won this bloody award and uh made a horrendously emotional speech that I refused to think about and then I got off the stage and this woman came up to me that I hadn't met and she was crying and she was like oh my gosh I'm so excited to meet you congratulations you can't believe what this means and I'm thinking oh my god this woman has had more champagne than me um, but long story short, she turns to me and says, you were the reason I started my business. Um, saw you, a friend, mutual friend connected me. When when we started our business, it wasn't the agency. It was a complete accident. And it was, um, you know, me with a baby on my chest, just talking, whatever I had to say. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was just doing it. And a friend connected us and she had just gotten pregnant. And um, yeah, watching me grow Olive Lee Social inspired her to start her business. And as I sat down with this woman to talk more, it was actually the woman that I was plotting her death. It was was the one that really triggered me. And in that moment, I thought, Jess, you you got work to do. And so I I started learning how to look after my mindset. And I, I started looking for networking events and spaces that I could connect with, with community. And at the same time, really recognizing that there was a really feminine layer. There was a female layer to networking that no one talked about. Like the fact that every time I ovulate, my business goes crazy or, you know, just the mental load and just I process things differently to a man. It's not better or worse. And the things that I want to do, I want to create a team that I love. I want to love my staff and and men tell me that's wrong but I that's what feels right for me and I want to work with people I like and you know all of these challenges it wasn't about being better or worse which I felt like every other conversation was just a bit whingy and droney it was just about wanting to know why we were different and what we needed to do to discover that is and use those differences as opposed to just put them in a box and prove we're like men, put them in a box and prove we're like men. Well, actually, we're not like men and that's the point. And I wanted to explore that. 
Um, and there was nowhere. Networking was horrible. It was bitchy. It was all for startups wanting to talk about really, you know, I just found myself like a bit of a coach in the room in case you can't tell. I like to talk and next minute I'm just coaching everyone and it was just awful and in through Olive Lee Social there was a lot of women in my space going through some similar things and I was like you know what we got to get we got to get into um got to talk about this and we hired a restaurant and got them together there were 30 women there from that somebody else actually paid for a venue for me and said please do this again and I did I made it as controversial as I could and I said if I got 50 people there I would I would commit to a year uh, and I did and we launched that following January with 130 people and and now it's I could not be more proud of that space I get really choked up when I talk about it but you know we have a community of women in Brisbane unlike any other and it's um you know they work together they hold each other accountable we have really tough conversations we change minds we teach new skills and we just we just the power of mentoring in a space where women walk alongside you instead of in front of you and I think that um I pinch myself that that's what we've been able to achieve and it's part accident and part really just having to do that work to figure out what I wanted to do and what I'm great at and giving myself permission to um own that I guess like it still feels really wanky when I say I'm I'm put on this earth to do this I 100% am and I'm great at what I need to do to do it and I suck at xyz but that I guess I, I didn't expect how much it would trigger me and uh, how much work I would have to do to be uh, you would relate Amanda to yeah. lead that space like when any woman is a leader and you have uh, a room full of people who listen to you that's a wonderful blessed thing but God, it's also triggering. <laughs> it's really triggering. And it just gives me newfound respect for the politicians in our world that we are so hard on. But gosh, girls, until you have people watching your every move and paint, hanging off every word that comes out of your mouth, you you just don't know what kind of weight that is. And that sounds like such a first world problem. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. I'm making myself gag as I say it. I hope I'm making some sense, but it's heavy. It's really heavy. But it's true, you know, and and as you've mentioned, and I know for me, it's not about being on the front page of the paper or doing any of that. It's about the community and supporting them. And for me, what gives me goosebumps and makes, um, gives me the reasons to get out of bed are the stories that we hear from these women that are applying for jobs they never would have applied for, or, you know, standing up in a boardroom and holding their own, or, you know, they've decided that, you know, they want more and they go and get it. And that's the cool that's the really cool stuff Jess absolutely it's it's just and I think I released a lot of pressure through Bell and even all the voice social like you don't have to teach them how to build a business you don't have to teach them about marketing you don't have to do that it's just an awareness and planting that seed and the most powerful words to anyone who is struggling is me too like I relate it to when you're pregnant for the pregnant listeners out there, things start coming out of your body that you don't expect that don't feel related to pregnancy. Like your gums swell and things happen. And it, I was one of the first, I was pregnant when what to expect when you're expecting came out. And that book was like the Holy grail. Cause all of a sudden that goop that was coming out of you was normal. And then the relief that you got from that bloody book telling you that this thing was normal 
just I can't describe it. And I I often compare Belta. It's not about necessarily teaching them how to build a business, or it's just an awareness and a space of what's possible and organically without you needing to do anything more than that. And the power of telling your story, like some of our speakers, you know, are so hesitant. And I I love the stories that we all want to know, but no one's ever told. I put so much work into looking for them. Um, A great example of that is Kate from Nodo. If you're from Brizzy, you'll know Nodo Donuts. You know, we've never heard her story before. She's she's shy as could be, humble as could be. Took me like months to wear her down to come and talk to us. And we talk about her stuff literally every single event. And she had no idea how brilliant she was. And just telling your story as hard as it can be, and it feels really braggy. And women don't do self-promotion well. We're taught that it's like pridefuls a sin. Oh, like my my nanny say that. Like yeah. self promotion is whorish. Is yeah. kind of the yeah. to be vulgar where where it's at. So it's so unnatural for us to talk about what we're doing well or what we're struggling with. And people's responses to my social media, like women that I've known for ten to fifteen years who've been part of my life, unfollow me because they find it so hard to see me showcase my life. And I'm definitely not a highlight tool. But it's just we're, we're taught that we can't talk about what we do great. That's not what women do. And why the bloody hell not? There is so much power. The world are craving it. Younger generations are craving women telling their story, preparing them for the ugly parts, talking about the good parts. Um, and so I'm really trying to do better, but I'm not going to lie. Like even this podcast, like it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it feels braggy. It feels crap. It feels really inauthentic, but we, I just know in my heart to heart. So we got to do better. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we support each other doing it, right? It isn't natural. 100%. And like you say, you know, as we grew up, it was about being disrespectful and being selfish and being all of these things. But if we share it, then it gives permission and it allows others to see that, that it's okay. And also allows men to see that. Yeah. And I think that's what I love so much about what you're doing is the change starts with us. And I genuinely believe that people say all the time, why don't you speak into grants and politics? And because I believe we are not the most educated at the table. And until we are, which is 100% on us, our mindset, our awareness, our self-learning, all of those things. Sure, society has to catch up a little bit. But the way we do that is by focusing inward. Then we can start to ask for some of those bigger conversations. This is more so in my space. Your space is very different. I am aware of that. But I think that part of us like stop waiting for men to invite the conversation and start talking and asking them to listen and I think that that's where we start to see change and one of the things that's been so interesting about this is what I've had to learn to be the leader of Bell has made me such a better business owner for my marketing agency and I never claim to have all the answers or to be any different to anyone attending my events but just able to talk really openly about going through the thick of it with you all and what's worked and what hasn't um but I really noticed this year that I am scared of men in my marketing agency like I have my branding is is for women my products are for women I'm confident dealing with women which is hilarious because anyone who knew 16 year old Jess said hanging out with a bunch of women was not her thing all um but I'm really challenged now of why do I subconsciously 100% subconsciously polarize my business to to men 
And the way that I react, like we do have male clients and the way that I react to them is so different. The the pressure I feel from them is different, which is a hundred percent in my head. There is nothing that these men have done to make me feel that way. Nothing whatsoever. And I think that is a great example of the work that we have to do before any change at a higher level is going to help us. Can we start that conversation in schools? Absolutely. Can we start make movements to change social conditionings? Absolutely. There is absolutely no, um, you know, I think it was last year, all of the animated movies that had come out in a year, there was no female representations of a working mother except for one and she was part of the problem. She was, you know, the kid felt lonely, whatever, whatever. You know, there's things like that, 100%. We let's stomp our feet and ask for some change and to do better. But when it looks, you know, more specifically when it moves in, I think that, yeah, problem starts with us. And if we can do nothing else but start talking about ourselves differently, talking to each other differently, and showcasing the problems that we face, why, when, where, how, then men can have that conversation. Because I'm telling you now, there are men sitting on boards who want to do the right thing, but are so terrified of the conversation that, you know, can't say the wrong thing. I don't know how to ask. Um, that if someone gives them the answers, they want to know how to help us. They want to do better. But it's just, you know, um, I notice a lot, my, my children are colored children. They're, my husband's African. And people don't know how to ask that. And they kind of just beat around the bush and it's awkward. They want to know why they're brown. And I'm totally okay telling them, but they just don't know how to ask that. Or I would have liken it as well, just we really trend controversial I get really scared and confused talking to transgender and non-binary people I want to love and support them but I don't always know how and everyone I talk to seems to have a different set of rules and there's a lot of acronyms and a lot of letters and I don't I just avoid using pronouns and and talking to them sometimes because I I don't want to upset them and offend them but I don't always feel like it's safe for me to go how do I do this and I think that sometimes, not to to compare them, they're very different issues, but the women in business space is the same. Women are like, I don't know how to piss people off. I see it at International Women's Day. Everyone just buys pink donuts and I find it so insulting. That's not the point. But they want to support us. They just don't know how. And I think if if we can be more vocal, it is really the first step and change the way that we talk to each other and ourselves and, and just remembering that really scared business owner in her 20-something attacking everybody in her head in a room because I didn't know how to stand up with those women. Yeah. And I'm not proud of that, but I, I think that there's a little girl inside of all of us who does that. And if I can share my story, maybe it, it'll help rethink someone else's. Yeah. Well, that's a big soapbox. Sorry, Amanda. That was a lot. No, I love that. (laughs) We can sit here all day and have a chat about it all, but I think, you know, there's some great takeaways there for anybody or everybody listening. And, uh, yeah, no, appreciate your time, Jess. It's fantastic. And we'll uh, let everybody know where they can follow, stalk and praise you. And uh, we, uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up. And thank you very much for joining me today and to everybody listening. I hope you have a fabulous day. Thank you, my darling. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for all the work you do. You're a star. My pleasure.